Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. We are wrapping up uh, our time here in this book. And I just want to start by mentioning that emotions play a big part in our lives, do they not? In fact, even you look at God and you look at Jesus while he walked on the earth, there were, there were emotions expressed. I think of Jesus when Lazarus passed away and Jesus actually wept. He experienced anguish in the garden over what he was about to face on the cross. And we even see Jesus getting angry uh, at the temple when the people were making God's house a den of thieves. Now, anger is an interesting emotion, isn't it? Let, let me ask you this. Is anger good or bad? I would imagine that most, if not all of us, would say it depends. Depends on the situation. When people get angry over the murder of innocent lives and call for necessary change, that's a good thing, right? We should be angry when innocent lives are taken. I would imagine organizations like Retta and Right for Life who fight for the unborn began out of a place of anger towards the murder of innocent babies in the womb. That's a good thing to be angry sometimes. However, we have to be very careful. James 1.19 and 20 says this. Clicker's not working, guys. Oh, it's not working back here. That's going to be fun. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Listen, sustained anger over a long period of time will take us down a path that we do not want to travel. It will not lead to a life of pleasing God. And, and in this last chapter, of Jonah, what we see is Jonah, whose anger has taken over him. And we see him have the pity party above all pity parties. It's really one of the saddest scriptures that we read about how God's people can respond sometimes. So let's jump into that this morning. Uh, the title of the message, we're, we're actually going to jump back to the main title of the whole series, and it's this, The Wayward Prophet and the merciful God, the wayward prophet and a merciful God. So let's look at chapter 4 now. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come upon Jonah come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. 
And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? What a way to end, right? It seems like this hanging, cliffhanging story. But there's a lot for us to hear. So let's, let's pursue the Lord in prayer now as we dive in. Father, I thank you again for the reminder this morning of the sacrifice of Christ. Lord, your mercies are greater than we can imagine. And Father, I thank you for the story of Jonah that really calls us out. Sometimes we're, we're just like him. And, and the unresolvedness of this book of the Bible is, is also kind of comforting in a way, Lord. We're a mess. All of your people, we're all a mess. And yet, even in that, you're merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so, God, I pray that you would just confront us in our anger this morning, Lord. What, what, where are we allowing anger to reign? And Lord, would you have your way with us, Lord? Would you bring conviction where we need to be convicted? Would you bring hope where we need to be hope? Would you bring encouragement where we need to be encouraged? And God, I thank you that your word never returns void. So, Lord, have your way through me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just do a quick recap to bring you up to speed in case uh, you're unfamiliar with Jonah or maybe it's been a while since you've read through it. But chapter 1, we see that Jonah received this call to go to Nineveh and preach and tell them that disaster is coming. And Jonah said, nope, I don't want anything to do with that. So he jumps in a boat, hops, the, and starts heading the opposite direction of Nineveh. And on the way to Nineveh, of course, a storm comes on the ship uh, to the place where the sailors are fearing for their lives, trying to figure out who the problem was, why is this happening. And it all came and pointed back to Jonah. And so eventually, Jonah ended up being thrown into uh, the lake. The, the storm stopped and God allowed a big fish to swallow up Jonah in his, in his mercy towards him. Jonah kind of says a prayer to Jonah. God spits him up then on dry ground, and he goes into Nineveh, chapter 3, where we see that the people responded immediately in repentance. They believed the message from God, and they repented. And that's what leads us here to chapter 4, Jonah's response to what God had done. Now the first thing that I think about when I read this book is, is that it, it, this is not a fairy tale ending. There is this unresolved story with this grouchy prophet who just saw the miraculous salvation of a volatile people. I mean, God, God gave him one job to do. Preach, be my mouthpiece, and then get out of the way and let God work. And yet, he was trying to step in and he wanted a different outcome than what God gave. Now, I just want you to consider for a moment how ludicrous it is that Jonah responds the way he does. Think of all of the prophets in the, New, the Old Testament and the amount of times that they had to keep going back to the Israelites and call them out. They would call God's people out 
for their sin and for their stubbornness. And time after time after time again, they would rebel over and over again. There would be some prophets who just didn't see any fruit in what, they, in what God had called them to do. And here Jonah is going to preach to this barbaric nation, and they repent. And Jonah's having nothing to do with it. I mean, wouldn't you be ecstatic if God sent you somewhere to proclaim his message and the people repented? And yet Jonah here acts like a, a spoiled child who didn't get his way. And so he got angry. Now, be, before we get into this text, what I want to do is I want to spend some time talking about anger. Because the, the question really comes to, to, to mind is, what is really anger? What is anger all about? What is behind anger? What is the source of it? Now, the immediate answer you might think of is pride, right? Like all of sin finds its source in pride. We sin because we are proud people. Now, I, I want to go a little bit deeper there. What, what is really at the core of anger? Now, just think about it for, for a moment. In, in general, whether good or bad, what are the thoughts behind why we get angry. And here's what I want to focus on this morning. The word injustice comes to mind. There is a perceived injustice that has taken place that we are demanding to be made right. So anger flows out of this sense of injustice. Think about it. An innocent person who has, has their life taken from them. Abortion, the, the taking of an innocent life in the womb. Anger stirs up inside of us because an injustice has taken place. That is at the core of anger. Now, in some instances, it's good and right to be angry. One thing I find myself getting angry is when churches, in the name of my Savior, preach a gospel different than the fact that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And they want to preach a message that says, hey, if you do good things, if you come to Jesus, then he's going to make your animals well. He's going to, he's going to fill up your bank account. He's going to heal your kids of diseases. That's, that's not true all the time. God doesn't always allow our circumstances to be taken away. And so there's a sense of, of, of righteous anger when people in the name of God are preaching a gospel that is not the gospel of Christ at all. And so when we look at the life of Jonah here, though, we look at his response. At the heart of, of Jonah's anger is the fact that he has perceived an injustice. And so his anger, though, takes him to a dark, lonely place. So there are three lessons I want us to take away from this in regards to the danger of anger. Here's the, here's the first thing. Don't let your anger lead you to hate others. Don't let your anger lead you to hate others. Look again at verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I mean, that's all great news. <laughs> Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know, this opening phrase here, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. If you look at the Hebrew, this is basically what he was saying. 
he saw what God did in sparing the Ninevites as a great evil. That, that's, what he's, that's what he's looking at. Like, this is a great evil you have done, God, by showing mercy to these people. I'm not sure about you, but calling God evil, especially as a prophet of God, doesn't sound like a good idea. Jonah has made a judgment of how God chooses to show mercy to whom he chooses to show mercy. And here's the reality that we talked about this, uh, the first week of the book. The reason why Jonah ran from Nineveh in the first place was because he hated them. I mean, they were barbaric people. They would not just capture their enemies, they would torture them severely. I don't know if he has any personal connections. Like, does he know anybody who uh, had encountered them and maybe uh, died in their hands? But he, at a minimum, understood the barbaric things that they did, and so he hated them. Listen, brothers and sisters, we can't let our anger lead us to a place of hatred. Listen, here, here's the hard part. We are called as the Big C Church to speak out about the injustices around us. When a person wrongfully kills another person, we should call it out. We don't just allow it to go by. There, there needs to be payment for that. When, when a government wants to celebrate and promote the murder of the unborn, we as the Big C Church should speak out. When a school system wants to celebrate those in the LGBTQ community and call it good, when what we see is it leads people to destruction and leads them to spiral out of control and it leads them to great suffering later, we should not just sit back and let it happen. And here's the good news for us right now. We live in a country that allows us to speak out against these things. But hear me out. In our anger, in these situations, we must direct our anger at the right thing. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Those who we fight for these things that we know to be detrimental to humanity and against God have been blinded by the enemy. They, they can't see the truth. Do you understand that? Apart from God's grace opening your eyes, you would not be able to see the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. And so when we encounter these people who are teaching things, who are shoving things down the throats of our children, we need to understand it's coming from a place of blindness. And so our anger, we cannot let it be pointed towards people, but rather to the sinfulness and the brokenness of humanity. This is why Ephesians 6, 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Christian, the enemy is not the person who is sitting on the other side of the table. The enemy is not the politician pushing policies that go against God's ways. The real enemy is not the school board trying to force an agenda on your kids. The enemy is the devil and his minions who have blinded the eyes of the enemy. Listen, we shouldn't be angry at people. We should be broken at the fact that they just can't see. We should be pleading for God to open their eyes. 
and not respond in anger towards people and direct our gaze of anger towards them. So let me ask you this, and perhaps this week you just need to spend some time seeking the Lord for wisdom on this matter. As you sit here this morning, is there anyone in your life, is there anyone that you've listened to where anger has led you to hate them? Perhaps a, a family member comes to mind. I, I'm continually amazed at people I talk to, adults, who are still dealing with mom and dad issues because of the way they were treated, abandoned, abused, sibling issues. Perhaps some of you, as Thanksgiving draws near and Christmas, the holiday season comes around, you're, you're, you're oh, just get it over with, please. I don't want to have to encounter them. And you've allowed hatred to grow in your hearts. I'm not suggesting that you act like nothing happened, but I want to remind you to be angry at the right things and even warn you, even in that anger, it does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. When we allow anger to reign in our hearts, it leads us to a place of hatred. Perhaps for you, there's a, a certain people group that you have something against. I've heard of White people who have one encounter, one negative encounter with a black person who, who then looks down on all blacks. I know blacks who, who've been hurt by one white person and then look down on all white, or multiple. And there are certain stereotypes given to people groups that lead us to hatred towards them. Brothers and sisters, there's no room for racism in the church. May God lead us to a place where we can cast off the anger and instead pity them, that they're blinded, and ask God for mercy to open their eyes as, let me remind you, he's opened yours. People are not the enemy. Don't let your anger lead you to hate others. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might, not, he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Here's the next lesson that we should learn from Jonah. Don't let your anger blind you from God's mercy. Don't let your anger blind you from God's mercy. So after Jonah rants about God's mercy towards the Ninevites, God questions him in verse 4. And here's my interpretation of this verse. <laughs> Are you serious right now, Jonah? I, I sent you to confront this brutal nation, and I changed them. And I spared them from being destroyed, and you're going to be mad at that? Are you kidding me? And of course, Jonah has nothing to say. He just Let's the pity party continue. And he goes out and he builds himself a booth. It's a, a shelter. 
And he stares at the city waiting to see what happens to it. you got to believe in the back of the mind. He's like, God, please, please just destroy them. Come on, don't do this. Longing for God to bring justice upon these people. Then God does something quite remarkable. <laughs> Look at that. He, he appoints a plant to, to grow over Jonah to give him shame, uh, shade. I mean, at this point, don't you think maybe some more trials and struggles would be the better benefit for Jonah? Like, come on, God. Like, just smack him around a little bit more. He's not getting it. And yet, even in this, we see God's mercy. He was merciful to bring Jonah a period of relief. I mean, what kind of God does that? And doesn't he do that for us when we are in seasons of feeling sorry for ourselves? He doesn't always just bring punishment and suffering. He doesn't roll his eyes at us. It's, in, in this picture, I get the picture of, you ever see kind of a child out of, out of control? And as a, as a mother, or like I think of a mother who understands, like, man, it's just been a hard, maybe it's been a hard day. And so I, I picture this child crying, Jonah, and God, like a mother, scooping up Jonah in his lap and just like holding him while he shakes out of control. God's showing mercy to him. Yet Jonah missed it. He didn't get it. God was showing mercy to him. Once again, and, and he did it by providing the fish to swallow him rather than letting him drown. And so because, because God didn't get it, he, he appointed a worm to eat the plant, and it withered the next day, taking with it the shade that brought relief to Jonah. Here's what I found in my life to be true. There are seasons when I can get consumed with myself and feel sorry for my circumstances. And God still comforts me even in those seasons. But you know what? I think there comes a point where God says enough is enough. Okay, Ben, it's time to grow up, buddy. I've walked with you faithfully up to this point, and I will continue to do so, and you need to get over yourself now. Brothers and sisters, don't let, don't let anger keep you from seeing God's mercy in your life. Jonah could no longer see anything as good. Everything was negative. There, were, there was no Lego song in his head. Everything is awesome. Like, everything he's looking at is bad. And this is what unbridled anger can do to us. Remember, anger flows out of a heart that sees an injustice, whether right or wrong. And a telltale sign that you're caught in sinful anger is that all you see around you is negative. You're not able to see the good in anything. All you see is negative, negative, negative. It's all bad. It's all bad. No good. That's a telltale sign you have allowed unrighteous anger to rule your heart. I want you to see something here in Jonah's response that reveals just how far his heart has turned from the Lord. All about this plant. Look at verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up after Jonah that it may be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plants. I mean, he's over the top ecstatic about it. It's brought him an incredible joy. But I want you to also look back to verse 1. 
what God did in sparing Jonah, he found to be displeased. He was displeased exceedingly. It's the same kind of language here. Just, just as much as he was overjoyed at this plant that comforted him, he was overly angry at the fact that God showed mercy. He loved this plant more than he cared for these people whom God had brought to repentance. I mean, what a picture of humanity. He's completely missed the mercies of God here. But you know what? We are so much like him. I mean, how often do we love the gift over the giver? And sure, as long as God's cranking out those good gifts for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, faith. We love you, Jesus. We want to sing praises to you. But then as soon as negative circumstances, all that come, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Man, we are like Jonah here. When something doesn't go our way, all of a sudden the whole world is bad. We, we, we experienced some of that massive injustice in our house this week. So Thursday morning, uh, we wake, the, we have four kids that are in school right now. Reese is home for the weekend, but normally away at college. She's away at college. Wake up the four kids, and here was the major injustice. And you'll see our sin in this very quickly. There was only one blueberry bagel left. Four kids. How could we do that? And so one kid got it, got the bagel, got it in there. The other kid came and said, I want a blueberry bagel. Sorry, the, the last one's gone. That was it. They run the other direction. They're, they're hiding behind the couch and they're pouting because there was this major injustice that took place. All of a sudden, the only thing that mattered for this child was the blueberry bagel. I don't really care about the sibling who took it. I care about the fact that they took it from me. This was mine. We're all like that, though, aren't we? <laughs> we can all relate to not getting the last bagel. Forget the fact that the cereal that he was just fine with the day before was still there. This is how we get. This is what happens when anger uh, rules in our hearts. All of a sudden, we become ungrateful for the many good gifts that God has given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Anger blinds us from seeing the mercy of God around us. So this morning, do you see any anger in your life that you are that, that is causing you to miss out on the grace and mercy God has for you today? But but here is the greatest travesty at all with this. God has extended us far more mercy than just comfort in our tough seasons. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin, God came and made us alive. If you have truly repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ for salvation, you went from having no life, there was no heartbeat, to having life abundantly. And brothers and sisters, this was given to you as a free gift, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Listen, Jonah deserved to be left at the bottom of the sea when the sailors threw him overboard, and yet God spared him. Likewise, we deserve to be cast into the deepest of seas and drowned, and yet God has extended us mercy. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a horrible thing when we allow our anger to cloud us and forget about the amazing salvation that God has granted us. But that's what anger does when we don't take care of it. Don't let your anger blind you from God's 
mercy. Here's the last one. Don't let your anger keep you from ministry. Don't, don't let your anger keep you from missing out on ministry. Look at verse 9. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plants? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? You see in verse 9 that God asks a similar question as he did in verse 9. Do you do well to be angry for the plants? And this time, Jonah's had enough. He was like, heck yeah, I do, right? Yeah, I deserve to be angry here, and I just want to die. Now listen, there's a scorching heat. There was sun beating down on his head. I don't know about you, but I don't have much covering on my head. We were in Florida this summer for a week, and it was like 95 degrees all week long. I hate the sun. I, I, I can imagine wanting to die if I had to live in Florida. <laughs> but the reason why he wants to die is because of the mercy that God shed on him, on, on the Ninevites. That's why he's angry. And, and I just love God's response to him. He's going to use Jonah's own actions against him. Oh, Jonah, yeah, you pity the plant. Let me ask you, did you labor at all for that? Did you make it grow? Which came into being in, in a night and perished in a night? And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? He's saying, Jonah, don't you see how ridiculous this is? You're pitying a plant? I'm pitying a nation that I just extended great mercy to, and you can't stand them. Something's seriously wrong here, bro. And then he throws this zinger at the end, and also much cattle. It's almost like he's saying, okay, Jonah, you don't pity the people, but maybe you pity the cows. I spared the cows, right? Maybe he's part of PETA, some kind of animal rights activist association. And this is how the book ends. There's nothing else written about him in the Bible. We don't know what took place. But consider the ministry opportunity that he missed because of his anger. This nation repented. They believed the word of God. They were hungry for more. They wanted more. And Jonah's like, oh, just strike them dead. He missed out on this incredible opportunity. And I want you to, to, to see, like, what, what, what became, like, were these, were these people saved in Nineveh? Or is it just like God spared mercy? I, I don't know. But let's just take a look at what Matthew 12 says. And Jesus talks about that, as we talked about earlier in this series, that Jesus compared himself to Jonah. We're going to see that here, Matthew 12, 38 through 42. Let's listen to this. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Listen then, verse 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation 
It makes me think these people were converted. They will rise up with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Just consider the ministry opportunity that Jonah missed out on because of his anger. I mean, these people were hungry, and yet he was so stubborn. He cared more about a plant that comforted him than the people of Nineveh. Listen, unholy anger leads us to a place of insanity <laughs> where we can't start, when we can start loving plants more than people. I mean, this is where society has gone. We've gone crazy, and I've seen people even in the church. Now, listen, you, you know, some of you know this about us, but last year, for the first time in our marriage, uh, we bought a dog. It's a golden doodle. Her name is her name's Georgia. She just turned a year in July, or a year old this year, like a year and a half or so now. And, and, we, and she's great. Like, she's a, as far as dogs go, we hear of other stories, like, she's amazing. And I think, man, if she's amazing, what are these other dogs like? That's what I, that's what I think about. Uh, but, but we like her. We may even say things like, we love her. But listen, she's a dog. And I look at what society does, and, and listen, if this is you, no condemnation. You do you, okay? I don't get it. But people spend hundreds of dollars on, on toys in these, like, beds that are better than the one I sleep on. I mean, we, we, bought, we spent 20 bucks on a bed for our dog, and she ate it in two days. And then there are, are some of, so there are some people who will spend thousands of dollars for certain breeds of dogs. I'm like, how do, you, how do you justify that? And then if you spend thousands of dollars just to get a dog, what's going to happen when the vet comes and says, your dog's got serious issues? You're going to fork out thousands of more dollars. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not taking up a GoFundMe thing. If, if my vet comes back and says, your dog has hundreds of dollars of surgery, be like, kids, gather around. Say goodbye to Georgia. <laughs> she's, she's gone. Listen, here, here's the travesty of it all, though. And, and please, please know I'm being dead serious right now. I know people who would who would choose their dogs over people. If that is you, if you have allowed your anger to lead you to a place of that kind of hatred, you have lost your mind. You are no more than, Geneva, than Jonah mourning over a plant more so than the Ninevites. Listen, there is no place for believers to hold an animal above mankind. There is only one creature created in the image of God, and that is man. And if we are loving animals more than people, you need to repent this morning. I'm not saying you can't take care of dogs. God, God obviously created them. There's a sense of comfort that comes from Jonah, or from, from, uh, from, Georgia that like is unique I'm not saying that but she's a dog and if we're hating even the vilest of sinners and we love the dog more than that person we have a serious problem brothers and sisters this should not be but this is what happens when we allow anger to reign in our hearts all of a sudden we lose sight of ministry listen my prayer for us my prayer for me is that when it comes to anger towards 
awful situations that it would be directed not at the sinner, but at the spiritual forces who have blinded their eyes. And listen, there are times I have to beg God to soften my heart because I have allowed anger to reign. So where are you at with all of that? Have you allowed anger to come to a place where you miss out on God's ministry for you and the lives of those around you? Have you allowed what, person, what people have said to you to lead you to a place to respond with that outburst of anger rather than asking questions to get to the heart of what's going on? Don't let anger keep you from missing out on ministry. So, what is the big takeaway from just this whole book of Jonah? Let me just remind you that God is a merciful God. And listen, you and I are far more like Jonah than we are like Jesus. We struggle to stay on mission. We struggle to carry the good news to those around us. We struggle with anger, and yet in that we find mercy from a merciful God who is merciful to Jonah. The reason why I think there's no closure here is because I think Jonah is a man of God. I would choose to believe that he is in heaven he is just like us. We can't look at Jonah and think, man, I, I, he's messed up. I look, I look at Jonah and think, man, I'm Jonah. God, thank you for your mercy. You still choose to use us. God is a merciful God. I think of the mercy that he extended to the Ninevites who deserve. They, they weren't pursuing God at all. You think of like at the right time while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At, at this, the Ninevites were actively pursuing, pursuing their own flesh. And God interrupted their lives and brought them to repentance. Believer, listen, if there is hope for the, unbeliever I should say, if there is hope for the Ninevites, there's hope for you this morning. If you think your sin is too far great that God would never receive you, let me remind you and point you to the merciful God who did not spare any expense for our pardon, but gave up his son for you. Aaron and I would love a chance to talk to you if you need, if you need to talk further about that. So be amazed at the mercy of God. Christian, you're not going to nail it day to day. If you need God's mercy today, repent, receive his mercy, and get back up. His mercies are new how often? Every year? Hey, every school year. It's a new year, September. His mercies are new every school year. Hey, every month. It's the first of the month. Hey, October 1st. His mercies are new today. Hey, it's a new week. Sunday, start of a new week. His mercies are new this week. No, we woke up this morning. His mercies were new this morning. We'll wake up tomorrow. His mercies will be new every morning. So brothers and sisters, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Run to your Savior who is willing to give mercy to you. Let me leave you with some action steps that you can put into practice this week. First of all, I encourage you, memorize Psalm 103, verse 8. This is a familiar word that we've heard from Jonah. This would have been a popular word that they, like Moses shared. Like This would have been something that the Israelites would have shared together. This is a common phrase. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Hide that in your hearts, brothers and sisters. 
Hide that in your heart. His mercies, he's merciful and gracious to you, and he wants to offer mercy and grace to others as well. Remember that. You didn't deserve your, his mercy. You didn't deserve his grace. It's new every morning. And then encourage you to read 1 Peter. So we're jumping into the book of 1 Peter, and it really is it's about exiles. It's about live, like these Christians who are exiles living in a foreign land. Listen, we are not home. The U.S. of A., I love living in this. What a blessing to live here. But this is not our home. We're passing through. And so how do we deal with that in the midst of suffering? How do we suffer well as exiles and believers in Christ Jesus? That's really, that's kind of a, a nutshell of what a first Peter is. So I'm excited to go through that over the next several weeks. So engage your heart with that by reading through that book. It won't take you super long. And then question for you to ponder. Do you have an anger problem? Let, let me answer that for every person here. Yes, you do. I, I remember reading a book called uh, Good and Angry by David Paulson, a great brother of the faith. He's since passed away, uh, a counselor uh, at heart. Uh, he, he, in this book, the second chapter, was, it was titled, Do You Have an Anger Problem? And the only thing written was yes. And so, like, you should have seen me there <laughs> reading this book. I'm, like, flipping through. I'm like, there's pages missing. What's going on with this book? I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's talking to me. Yes, I do have an anger problem. <laughs> We all do. Listen, ang- listen, here's what we sometimes think. We think anger means, well, I don't I have an outburst. I don't outburst. I don't yell. Listen, that, that's, only, that's only an outward expression of anger. Anger is a position of the heart. Anger can be seen in manipulation. Anger can be seen in snide remarks where you're just kind of jabbing your spouse or jabbing your kids or jab, jabbing your, like, little side kicks that maybe they won't perceive it, but in your heart you're like, yeah, I hope this feels good. Like, th- th- all those ways are forms of anger, and we all struggle with that from time to time. So, yes, you have an anger problem. Last thing, then, is lay your anger aside and love others. Don't let your anger lead you to hate others. Don't let your anger lead you to miss out on God's mercy towards you and then to keep you from extending mercy to others. And don't let your anger keep you from ministering to others because you're so consumed by yourself. Lay your anger aside and love others. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, there's not a single person here who has nailed it even this week. Nobody's batting a thousand. Nobody's even coming close. Because, Lord, it's not about what we do. It's about what you've done. And so, Lord, would you overwhelm us with your grace and mercy that we can't help but extend it out. God, expose our hearts where anger is reigning and we don't see it, Lord, because when we get angry at things that happen around us, there's a certain extent where that anger is directed towards you. God, why don't you make my life easier? Why don't you take this situation out? Why don't you make me marry this person? Why do I have to have this person as my parent? Why do I have to have this person as a sibling? Lord, all these things... Guard our hearts. Expose our hearts. Lord, for those of us who maybe walked in thinking, I don't have an anger problem, God, would you expose them to help them see if this is really is a rooted, like a deep-rooted thing, Lord, because anger is such a tricky thing. And it does not produce the righteous life that you require. It's not helpful for us to stay anger over a long period of time. So God, guard our heart. Protect us in this. 
draw us near to you. Thank you for being so merciful to us. You are, you are too good. We thank you in Jesus' name.